We don't slut shame around here. They say we are what we eat. Does that come in organic? So who are you eating? I believe they call that an ethical slut. Can I unplug your phone so I can charge my vibrator? I can't believe he couldn't find it. Fuck it. Let's roll. You're listening to Eat, Play, Sex with Dr. Cat, The place to up-level that sexy life of yours. With expert talk on sex, love, and nutrition. Hey lovers, and welcome to another episode of Eat, Play, Sex. I'm your sex expert, Dr. Cat. Here's a question I want to put to you as we start this podcast. What does the word healed mean for you? And I ask that because we all have these different understandings or definitions of, of what we see as being healed. And this is important because what we're defining is what we're creating an intention around, what we're looking to achieve or what we're directing our behaviors towards uh, accomplishing. And if we don't bring our awareness to this, then we might find ourselves chasing after this idea of what healed is that might be inhuman, that might be beyond the capacity of who we are as humans, you know, asking ourselves to be superhumans. And what does that create? Well, it can create a sense of shame about ourselves if we are looking at this ideal version of healed and we look at where we're at along that journey and and the space in between become very frustrating why am i not there what's wrong with me that i'm not there what do i need to do i need to do all these things to be able to get there so what is it that we're actually looking for when we are seeking this quote-unquote healed version of ourselves What does it look like? What would we be doing? It's not the absence of discomfort in our body. It's not the absence of any pain or trigger or days where we have meltdowns. Healing is not a destination that we reach. And all of the discomfort and all of our challenges are clear from our lives. This is where it becomes a trap. And we can find ourselves going to retreat after retreat, after workshop, after workshop, reading all the fucking books, trying to fix ourselves from this human experience that we're in. We are human and we will always be human. So putting yourself up on this such a high level standard of yourself and what you think you're supposed to be in order what to receive love, like you have to be the certain version of a superhuman in order to deserve love or receive love or be in a space where you can have love, swing onto the other side of the pendulum and you'll hear the argument, just accept yourself as you are. And I, I believe that the mm, optimal place to be at is not so much on these extreme versions of the concept of healing, but more finding a space in the middle where we can say yes and. You know, I I accept and love myself as I am and I can expand. Curiosity helps us to be that. Curiosity says there is more than the certainty that I have of myself and who I am. That my potential is infinite. That Certainty is the death of growth. 
It allows us this opportunity to evolve. But pair that with compassion, and that allows you to recognize your humanness and where you're at, and to be kind and gentle with yourself along that journey. That allows you to be who you are, while also opening to new information that can free you more and more. Pair this with open-mindedness while also being discerning. And I think that word discerning oftentimes get lost in the, in the shuffle of this journey of our, of our healing path because we listen to experts and we follow along with these ideologies. But how many of those do you critically think for yourself? How many of those do you question or do you just blindly follow? Because therein lies another trap in this world of healing. Ugh, we are inundated with so much information. And I know for myself, being in the world of self-development, <laughs> there's so much. <laughs> I want to learn as much as I can to be able to help you and to help my clients and to even help myself. And where are we questioning the influx of all this information? Because it's overwhelming. And what works, works for one person isn't going to work for another person. We, as much as we are related to each other on this grand human you know, a grand scheme of humanity. We are also our own unique microcosm of that. And so from physically, my body is very different from another person. Emotionally, my heart is very different from another person. Psychologically, my mind is very different from another person. So to accept these quote-unquote truths with a capital T from another person who is generalizing to the female population or the masculine population or the human population or American population is not honoring the uniqueness of you yourself. So an important part of my journey has been asking these questions. What beliefs are most beneficial for me in my individual journey? Or what does that mean when that person says this? And where is that coming from when that person says this? How does that piece of information resonate with my worldview or how I see things? And what am I picking up on incongruencies and leaks in integrity from those that I turn to for expert important advice? And I don't say all this to scare you. I know that we like certainty. Certainty, again, is an illusion that we can lean into and, and know that this is what is right or real. And that, I believe, would be disempowering the intelligence of yourself. Think about it. You do not have all the same messages that you had when you were growing up. In fact, if we use the healing concept, we are constantly detoxing ourselves from toxic messages or relationships or wounds or patterns of behavior. We are constantly changing our 
viewpoints or our lens. And again, I'm going to follow that up with if we're (laughs) open-minded and if we are curious. And all of this inquiry comes to me as I'm healing my body right now, which really isn't mutually exclusive to healing the heart or our emotions or our psychology. A lifelong journey as I personally detox from old beliefs and patterns and ways of being that manifest as dysfunction in the body, in places where we tense, tighten, panic. And while we learn a new nugget about ourselves and what we resonate with as true for us, a year or two later, (laughs) we'll discover another nugget because there's always another nugget. I originally made this podcast with Diane because I was determined to reclaim my health. I struggled with like chronic fatigue, no libido. A lot of, I was coming out of eating disorders. It was, it it was a lot. (laughs) And working with her helped a lot, but it wasn't necessarily addressing the root of the issue which was a lot of fear and panic and unprocessed trauma still stored in my body, which was perpetuated by this strategy of survival to move really fast in this life. Fast-paced living to compensate for the insecurities that I felt in my own bones and an exhausted body that literally struggled with getting through the day. And over this quarantine, Symptoms of autoimmune and iron deficiency came back and leaving me feeling insanely exhausted, foggy, low tolerance to handling distress and drinking lots of coffee to be able to cope with that. And maybe you'll be able to relate because we were all going through this experience, I'll bet our individual experiences, but the collective experience together. And the amount of cues in our environment that our bodies, our nervous systems were picking up, we call that neuroception, was enough to make all of us vulnerable to you know, some of these bodily experiences or health, physical health related issues. Now, again, my relationship with my body over in my lifetime was not always a friendly relationship. And it took a long time to befriend my body, to befriend my nervous system, and to show up for my body in the way that it needed. And sensuality had become a core practice of devotion here. It became a practice for me to be able to tune in to the subtle contractions and expansions of the body to be able to give it what it needed. And still, sometimes we reach a point where we don't understand the language of the body. We can't decipher it. And so this is when we lean on the help of medical experts or nutritionists to be able to help us to understand what our body needs deeper than just the moment-to-moment connection and pleasantries and affection and attention. And that's why I created Sensual Awakening, which is a 14-day initiation for women online, to teach you how to be with your body in the way that your body needs you 
It's about cultivating that deeper relationship to feeling as well as pleasure. And I'm speaking to this from a platonic lens because when we cultivate that platonic relationship, it can help us with everything from relationships to our eroticism to um, even work. And if you're interested in going that on that journey and creating a sustainable way of living centrally, then I put the link in the show notes. If you'd like to join us, we're starting March 22nd. Sensuality is a rebellious act in this culture where we're pressured to produce as much as we can in a quick amount of time using all of the technologies that we have available to us. And it can also create this loop of shame if we aren't being able to maintain or keep up with all of this. Sensuality is a rebellious act because in this world, we are taught mind over body or mind over matter to push through. And yet to be sensual and connected and listening to your body is saying, I'm choosing to allow my body to be correct in its experience rather than rejecting it or making it wrong. Even if in the moment it doesn't make logical sense why our body is tensing or shaking, the body is actually picking up cues in the environment and it's designating it as danger, threat, or stress, or cues of safety. And your body is in response to these cues. The cues may not be conscious to us, It may be resting below that level of consciousness. And here's where our brain makes up a story about what we're picking up and might shame or blame ourselves or say that the body is incorrectly assessing what is going on (laughs) and we push through whatever the experience is. Instead, if we cultivate that befriending of the body and we say, you're not wrong, we can practice tuning in to see what the body might be responding to or even what the body needs in order to feel safe to open back up or move towards connection instead of protection. And I think of this, this relationship that we have with our body and how metaphorical that is and probably manifesting in our love life in our relationship with others. We desire someone to give us affection, attention, and allowance to be ourselves. That's intimacy. Attunement is the ability to be present to and read in another person what it is that they need based off of their affect or their body language or their tone of voice. This is key to healthy, secure, intimate relationships. Intimacy is this, mm, can I reveal the most vulnerable, raw parts of myself and you still meet me with affection, attention, allowance. And of course, because these are core basic human needs. And yet, how are we showing this for ourselves? And even more, how deeply are we showing this for ourselves? When we're attuning to our own self, meaning that we're paying attention to what is present here so that we can meet ourselves in a place that's meaningful 
just like a partner. We are attentive to the body. We're spending intentional time with the body. We might engage with our hair or our skincare or makeup or clothing or exercise. We're giving attention to how we feel in our clothes. And for the reason of pleasure and for the reason because this is what our we desire, our body desires, and not in the pursuit of changing who we are or even to be of worth to anyone. Think about what makes me feel good? What makes me feel radiant? Attention is tuning into the needs of our body and noticing these contractions and expansions. So when we practice allowance, we're allowing the body to take the space and the pace that it needs. Does it need a break? Does it need a hug? Does it need a bath? Does it need a snack? And we're allowing it to be okay rather than guilting or shaming the body to be anything other. So from the attention, we can meet ourselves with allowance and then follow it with affection, which is the intentional physical acts of gentle care that are done towards our body. And this can be caressing our body while we're sitting at the computer or while I'm making a podcast for you all. Or this can be taking time and attention to your hair or lotion on your body after you get out of the shower. This can be a gua sha stone on your face or dry brush on your skin when you first wake up. This can be dancing in your living room. Or it can even be going to work with a doctor or a functional nutritionist or naturopathic, somebody who can help you to, to, again, decipher the language of your body that is beyond the scope of your own language barrier. <laughs> but the level of depth in which we treat our own selves, love on ourselves, or at least accept ourselves can really show up as a reflection in our relationships. And I'm not saying that you have to love yourself in order to get into a healthy relationship because a lot of my learning about how to love myself was gained as I observed how I would reveal something vulnerable about myself and the person would continue to stay there with me. You know, that would help to reprogram in my own mind and my own body that it was safe enough to continue to open and reveal myself more and more and more. The difference here is that there is a level of holding myself, of leaning in even if it's uncomfortable or scary, and not abandoning myself for the sake of the relationship, to keep it. If you've ever heard in a relationship that you were too much, what did you do as a result of that information from them? Did you quiet yourself? Did you dim your light? Did you become anxious and, and use more of a strategy of waiting <laughs> instead of texting the person when you wanted to text them? Or did you suppress some of what was coming up for you or things that you desired because you didn't want to be, come across as a burden and threaten this relationship. This would be not giving yourself attention, allowance, and affection. This is saying, I have to show up conditionally to receive love. 
and imagine how that impacts you physiologically. Imagine what that feels like in your body. And you can probably tap into that now if you have had a memory of somebody telling you you're too much. Somebody telling you too much is putting up a wall to the sensations and the emotions that you are experiencing. And emotions and sensations give us information. Remember that. Again, because when we give attention to our body, we can learn a lot about what the body needs. Same in a relationship. A wall is to tell the person you're too much. We can't really penetrate that. But if that person is instead curious, asking about what they notice, asking for what what you need, then they, they and us get to know what exactly this fragility or the reaction might be trying to protect. There's compassion there. There's intimacy that can be formed there. But if we aren't cultivating this relationship for ourselves, then we may find that we're attracted to others who reflect this back. Or maybe you've been in the experience of men can't hold me, or I haven't been with a man who can hold the fullness of me. And I would ask you the question of how much are you surrendering your heart fully into it? And I say that because if there's a part of us that is holding back, part of us that is reserved in order to maintain the safety or the, the keeping of this relationship, then we're not creating the opportunity for this other person to show us how much they can hold us. It's interesting how people will pick up these subtleties in our energetic field or these subtleties that of our facial expressions or our contractions or our pulling away that might not be conscious, but their bodies pick it up. Again, that neuroception, the body picks up this cue of stress, threat, or danger. And it's hard to fully lean in to someone who isn't open. We pick up on that because what happens when we lean in and they choose not to hold us in that? It's scary. And so our bodies are trying to create these strategies to be able to protect ourselves from the potential of a rejection, even if that actually isn't happening. And this is a duality of responsibility, right? The partner has a responsibility to create a safe space for you to lean into. And also, we need to be able to surrender into that, lean into that, trust that on the other side of it, we will be okay. But I think that's where that word discernment comes back into play. The ability to judge well. 
And that comes with cultivating that relationship with your body and cultivating, befriending the nervous system instead of making it wrong. There's a quote from one one of my favorite books and movies called Perks of Being a Wallflower. And it's, we accept the love we think we deserve. And if we want to expand this potentiality of deserving of love so that we can receive it so deeply into our bodies, then perhaps this will be inspiration for you to develop a deep love affair with your own self and body. Lovers, thank you again for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, hit subscribe and head over to eatplaysex.com to connect with me and grab my sexy guides. Because my goal here is to get you to eat, play, and sex better so you can improve your sex life, which will improve every aspect of your life. Until next time, keep it sexy.